I wish I was I wish I was as unoriginal and unsuccessful as Paul McCartney in the eighties. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm really it's not really fair because no, it is fair. I take that back. It's totally fair for me to slam him for not trying. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now. But who knows what tomorrow will bring? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today, we tackle the Beatles in the 80s, starting with Paul McCartney. With me today, it's uh, Brad in L.A. Merry New Year! (laughs) Happy New Year. In this country, we say happy. Thank you for correcting my English, which stinks. And as always, if we're talking music, we bring the authority from the 80s, our friend Drew Friedman. Hey, guys. How's it going? Excellent. Happy New Year. Thanks for coming on. It's been like a month since we recorded. It feels like that's why uh, those of you who are not witnessing us record live are are spared the fact that it's taken us 45 minutes to get through the first uh, 30 seconds of taping. (laughs) Through the intro. Oh, my God. Uh, But it's, it's intimidating when you're trying to cover a topic like the Beatles in the 80s, right? It's a big one. Yeah, it's a big and one. I a mean, lot of I people would, have an opinion, so. Yeah, and I would, you know, the Beatles in, in any form, whether they're solo artists or together, I mean, they are. They're an impressive group. So I can see why it's, it's, a, little, it's a little daunting. It is daunting. In fact, it's so daunting that this has actually been an idea for a podcast that we've probably had for going on two or three years now. Uh, back to the Sean Daly days. And we would sit around and we'd say, no, Beatles in the 80s. Uh, do we do it as one show? Do we break it down to four shows? Do we combine uh, uh, Ringo and uh, George? You know, How do we do this? And um, so what we've decided to do is we're going to break it down to four shows. Uh, the Ringo show will be very light. <laughs> we get to talk about Caveman. <laughs> it may be a phone cast. <laughs> <laughs> But but we'll yeah, have I don't some think fun. that intro will be as daunting. I no. think that'll be a lot easier. <laughs> hey guys, Ringo. The Seggies. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is um, we're basically going to go through. Obviously, the Beatles had broken up by the start of the eighties. We're going to talk about their solo work by each uh, member, and uh, we thought no one better to start with than uh, Sir James Paul McCartney, right? The Mighty Mac. Uh, McCartney turns uh, seventy-one years old as we record this show. Um, anyone here seen him live perform? I have not. I never have. I've seen him twice. I've actually, unfortunately, never seen any of the Beatles perform live. I mean, solo acts, obviously. I mean, and it's it's kind of a disappointment. I would have liked to have seen George Harrison or something. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen Paul McCartney twice. I saw him oh, wow. once in 1989 or 1990 when he was touring on Flowers in the Dirt, and I saw him just about six months ago here in Orlando. It was the f- first. Uh, he was. Here for two nights, both sold out at the Amway Center um, as he started his uh, U.S. tour. 
And I've seen Ringo. So there you go. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. You, you know, saw the All-Star Band a couple years ago. I remember. Did you and Sean go together? Am I making that we up? We went together, yeah. That was, a, that was an epic show in the sense, uh, you know, he has all these guests there. And, and lately right. they've been... Uh, Different lineups, right? right. Yeah. You know, like uh, Billy Squire was there. Yeah, uh, I love Billy um, Squire. Colin Hay. So, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a good show. And we'll talk about that more when we get to the, the Rinko episode because we'll need all the material we can get. Yeah, it troubles me a little <laughs> bit that I remember that. But uh, it makes me feel like a stalker. I don't think we did a whole show on it or anything. Thankfully, we saved it for today. So Paul McCartney, um, as he enters the 80s, is still with his band Wings, correct? Yes. Yeah. But not for long. He's on the verge of getting arrested, if I remember. Yeah. yeah, I think doesn't he spend pretty much the beginning of 1980 in a Japanese prison cell? Well, Ten days of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds so yeah. ominous. Japanese, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm oh picturing a top secret where he's marking chalk on the wall. You know, it's been <laughs> ten minutes since I've been in here. Martin, boy, am I glad to see you. I've been here twenty minutes already. <laughs> I was. Um, were anyone you guys a fan of Wings at the time? No, not really. Actually, you know, most of the time when I think about Paul McCartney with Wings, it's the like that horrible Christmas song. Ugh. Oh, really? <sighs> I, you know, I think of Jet. I think of a yeah, lot of Yeah, I mean, there know. are some good songs, but there's some really stinkers that kind of clog yeah. it up. But there's Jet, there's uh, Live and Let Die, which is yep. like the number one or number two James Bond theme of all time. Yep. I, I, there's I, a great line on the Simpsons. Oh, I, I hear Descent. Now go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say there's a great line on The Simpsons where they're talking to a lawyer. And unfortunately, it's not Lionel Hutz. It was after Phil Harmon had died. But the lawyer is telling his credentials to Homer. And he says, I'm the one that got Paul McCartney out of wings. And Homer goes, you idiot. He was the most talented one. I remember um, the only th- when I think of Wings, I think of the uh, the concert videos that you always see from whatever that one concert was that they recorded. Yeah. And so you see, you know, those ad nauseum songs play over and over and over again so no i i've gained a sort of level of appreciation for wings over the years but i've never really warmed up to them all that much see now my appreciation for wings has grown before we started the show i'm just going to let everyone know i i mentioned that i was a huge beatles fan and i have every song of theirs in my itunes library and even some of the like you know the rare releases and the um like the studio some of the behind the scenes studio stuff just i have everything the beatles have ever put out and I just despise Paul McCartney in the 80s. And so my appreciation for Wings has grown because I just don't like McCartney's stuff in the 80s. It's, as we go through this list, you'll, I'll comment on what – you'll see what I mean. I mean I have a feeling that you're all going to be – by the end of this, you're all going to be agreeing with me like, yeah, Paul, I don't know. I was never a huge 80s uh, – or I was never a big Beatles fan in the 80s. Uh, strangely, I've become more of a fan as I started learning how to play guitar uh, because okay. I kind of appreciate the songwriting a little bit more. Um, it's like, wow, that's a simple little riff, but they do a lot with it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just wasn't on my radar. Uh, it would be uh, it would be disingenuous of me to say that – People who are Beatles fans in the 80s were crazy because I'm raising a fan of 80s music in the 2010s. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, should, I should say, too, that my feelings about the Beatles overall in the 80s, I don't even think I'd really listened to them up until then. Um, I remember when I um, went on senior cruise. Like when, in my high school, you, um, when you graduated, you had to, if you wanted to pay the money, 
you could, yeah. you'd go with a couple hundred of your classmates on senior cruise, and you'd go on a, a cruise through the Caribbean for a week, and you'd have a couple teachers there, chaperones. <laughs> Jeez, man. You said grad night. You're talking about a lot better. Lose, yeah. lose gig. It was, it, and literally, I remember when we got on the boat, the teachers came, the two teachers, they were both history teachers, came around with a big box, and in the box, you got your choice of whatever liquor you wanted. They came to every cabin and like pick your because it because it was like eight. Once we got into international waters, that boat was yeah. just like anything Water's goes. Crazy. Yeah. How many unplanned pregnancies were the cause of this cruise? We actually had a guy die <gasps> and be brought back to life. Um, one guy. Did you see the light, Steve? Wait, or? It wasn't me. It wasn't, it wasn't me. But one guy drank himself to the point where his oh heart stopped. God. And he had to get the old syringe to the heart thing. <gasps> Holy cow. And the son of a bitch was out on the deck drinking the next day. The next well, that's day. Core, man. He, he knows how to get around that's it. That's dedication. I have a photo in my, my album from that trip. There's a photo of him walking along the deck. And the next step he takes is straight into the pool. And I don't know if he knew he was doing that or whatever. It's a moment captured in time. But the the Beatles connection, which there actually is one, <laughs> Is that we brought along? Someone had just listened to Sgt. Pepper's for the first time, and so we brought along um, like a little Sony Walkman with that we bought external speakers for. And in our cabin, there was like four of us stuffed into a cabin. We played Sgt. Pepper's just over and over and over. It was the only tape we brought, I think. Yeah. And so, oh, but we were we were fascinated by it. We'd never heard it, and so we sat there and just we were just amazed and. After that, I went to college. I remember, and, and like all freshman college uh, students, I was required to hang a Beatles poster on the wall, <laughs> and um, and it went from there. And and I also, about that same time, worked at a video store called Pick a Flick here in Clearwater, um, Florida. And um, there's a Beatles documentary called The Complete Beatles, I think. And I think I watched it every single day for the entire summer that I worked there. So t- to this day, I still think I have the entire script memorized. So that's my foundation for the Beatles, you know. Well, I grew up with them because of my parents being big Beatles fans. And then as I got older, you know, and I, I discovered my own my own music. But every Sunday morning, uh, one of the local radio stations in Santa Barbara. I knew this ca- was going to come up. <laughs> Breakfast with uh, the Beatles. Exactly. Did you listen to Breakfast with, with the Beatles? No, I did not listen to Breakfast with the Beatles. Leave yep. me alone. I did every Sunday morning with Deirdre O'Donohue, and we would just, we'd, you know, get up, and it's Sunday mornings always seemed to be like Pancakes Day, and the family would kind of wander into the room, and, and Breakfast with the Beatles would always be on the stereo. And I've got my daughters into it now. They're, I, I go, and it makes me so happy. I walk in while they're, you know, they're combing their hair, getting ready for school in the morning, and, and they've got the Beatles on, and I'm just like, yes, I did it right. <laughs> That's cute. So let's talk about McCartney's first solo album of the 80s. That would be uh, Paul McCartney 2, released in May 1980. Um, obviously featuring the song that we opened the show with, Coming Up. And I think a lot of people probably don't realize that the song that became really popular from this one was not the single, but rather the live version mm-hmm. that uh, DJs kind of sort of discovered by accident. And that is the version that most of us are actually familiar with. Yeah. In the music video, this is the one where Paul plays all the different characters. I, Linda plays, I think, the backup singers, a male and a female backup singer. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting is is not only in that, you know, it's the early stuff where, like, I think uh, Phil Collins did this. Didn't he? You Can't Hurry Love. was Didn't he do a cover version? Yeah. 
Well, I, yes, yeah, yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I also think of, and I also think of, um, oh, Paul Simon and Chevy Chase doing it for "You Can Call Me Al" or something like that. I mean, it just yeah. it's definitely. Uh, you know, sort of a hokey eighties. It's a bit of a trope, a yeah, video, yeah. A video trope. But back then, it was it was a yeah. big deal. Well, there weren't any tropes then for that kind of yeah. stuff. It's like, hey, let's wrap the tripod in aluminum foil and shoot with a bunch of mirrors behind this. <laughs> Spin it around in a long circle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the thing on that video was interesting. Was as as I just rewatched it was um, that I had never noticed that Paul was playing different like musicians. Like one, he looks kind of like Buddy Holly. One, he looks like a young Beatle. Oh, huh. So that was kind of interesting, and and one of them he actually looks like um, one of the Muppets from you know Electric Mayhem. He's got this weird funky beard. Jeez, nice. so nice Muppets band. Call yeah, yeah, yeah. People forget that the Muppets really did play an important role in eighties music. Easy <laughs> <laughs> being green, Steve. <laughs> that rainbow isn't going to connect itself. <laughs> it's a shame that that uh, was it. The Muppet movie was like what seventy eight or seventy nine, and hence we'll never yeah, talk about it on the show. But we just did. Oh my god! Um, so, I, I, anybody own this album? Obviously not true. Nope, I do not. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, Paul McCartney was not on my radar in the eighties until he did some things a little bit later, yeah. which we'll talk about in a minute. Well, in my mind, where he comes into. Um, I, Focus in the 80s is his next album, uh, 1982's Tug of War. Sadly, the number that puts him on the radar is this one with Stevie Wonder. Ebony and ivory live together in perfect harmony. Side by side on my piano keyboard. Ebony and Ivory. Anyone? Uh, okay, I uh, cannot hear that without thinking of Joe Piscopo. <laughs> that was the only thing Murphy. good to come from that song. Seriously, that is absolutely hilarious. I just watched that skit like as we were getting ready for the show, and the thing that surprised me: number one, it's still hilarious, but number two, Eddie Murphy can sing. Oh yeah, I mean, he's oh, yeah. singing in that skit, and he's nailing it. Yeah, I'm very much into that tune you do with the Beatle kid. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the one that looks like a broad. <laughs> His name's Paul McCartney, Frank. Yeah, 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 that's the dude. Uh, would you be so kind as to uh, run down that song for me, Stevie, please? Uh... Ebony and ivory live together in perfect Stevie, now, now, now something tells me that this is more than a song about playing the piano. But that was, again, that's the only good thing that came out of that song. That's actually, uh, that's actually ranked number 10 by Blender as the 10th worst song ever. Really? <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow. It, 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 sadly, there's some other 80s songs on I mean, on I don't there. like it, but I might yeah, say, anytime I, they're hitting me horrible. over the head with the hammer with the morality, I'm like, that's not really what I'm listening to the radio for. Thanks, guys. I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand why McCartney wanted to do these duets. I mean, he's got a couple of them on Tug of War, and he's got two more of them on Pipes of Peace, which is his next album. And yeah. I, I don't – I mean – I guess maybe do them, but don't put them on the album. Make them sort of, you know, I don't know. Well, and then he's also done he did a lot with Michael Jackson. He did uh, The Girl Is Mine, which is on Thriller, which mm. is the the thing that keeps Thriller from being a perfect album. 
Yeah, it's a, just another piece of crap. And and again, I'm going back to the videos because at this time I'm I started watching. Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching a lot of these these videos on MTV because this is the heyday of MTV. Sure. And I remember the story on Ebony and Ivory that they actually, you know, the video is them sitting at the key at the. Uh, they're behind the piano, right? The big mm-hmm. grand piano. They didn't shoot that together. They couldn't get their schedules together. So here they're singing a song about unity, and they didn't even film the video ah, together. Oh, nice. That's fantastic. That's, uh, yeah. that's what they call ironic irony. Exactly. <laughs> Whoa. So, so this is this is the first uh, album that he recorded after Lennon died, right? It is. Was killed, yeah. I should say. And, yeah. and because of that, we get the song called Here Today. Well, knowing you Probably laugh and say that we were worlds apart If you were here today That's a nice tune. I kind of like the way it grows. Yeah, see, here's the beginning of what I was... Again, you know, being a huge Beatles fan, there was there's something that when McCartney does those songs in the 80s, they just sound so pedestrian. If that was done, it's it's almost Beatle esque here today. But it just there's a pedestrian feel to it. Anybody could have done that song, not a Beatle. And so this is this is the kind of stuff that I begin to really dislike Paul McCartney. Maybe about. that's the price of success because the Beatles were so popular that the things they were doing and the sound that they were creating became something that everybody was trying to do. And so for him to do something that still kind of made you pay attention. He needed to find something a little new and he wasn't looking for it. Well, but he wasn't, he wasn't experimenting. He wasn't, I don't think he was being, he wasn't growing. He wasn't growing. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't growing and he wasn't being pushed by, by Lennon. He wasn't being, I don't, he, he just, it's, it's like he's mailing it in basically. It's basically like years three to eight of stuck in the eighties. (laughs) <laughs> Speak for yourself, mister I'm dancing over here, man I'm dancing as fast as I can I, what I, what I, I'm not mailing anything in That costs money I'm emailing it in That I can here, do for free Here's what I think about McCartney in the 80s um, I, I admire the fact that he still wanted to make music And he wasn't I, I, I imagine he was not afraid of People criticizing him for being an Unoriginal or not growing. I think he just wanted to make music. I think he enjoyed sitting down at a piano and composing a song. And if it wasn't as good as Blackbird or um, Yesterday, I don't think he was really worried about that. I just think he had things he still wanted to say, and music was the way that he said them. So, um, yeah, but see, that's the thing is, if he's not worried about it, it's almost like then he also doesn't care. Well, it's, you he know? gets out of it what he wants, which is. He wants to express himself, you know. I mean, I, yeah, but why inflict that on the rest of us? <laughs> well, if he wasn't Paul McCartney, you would never have heard this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the reason that we are even talking about this album is because it was released by Paul McCartney. If it wasn't Paul McCartney, it would have been, it would have been oh, yeah. another album in the back of the cutout bin that, you know, on Slash Records, if, if that. I, I beg to differ. This, this, this album does have at least one top ten song. We haven't mentioned it yet, but here it is. Take it away. So, so
See, now that's an actual hit song. Not a great hit song. <laughs> and I swear, yeah. I, at one point in time, I didn't actually... We are, we are kind of damning him with faint praise here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I was I wish I wish was as unoriginal and unsuccessful as Paul McCartney in the 80s. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm really... It, it, I, it's not really fair because... No, it is fair. I take that back. It's totally fair for me to slam him for not trying. I don't know. How do you know he's not trying? I don't think he's bringing his A game. I, I just feel like he's not. I feel like he's. It's the old line. It's effortless. Like there was no effort put in it at all. Ouch. You know, that's kind of how I feel about it. Oh. He just. It's like. We'll get to another one of the songs later. And I'll, I'll give an, <laughs> another example. There's, I'm looking later down okay. on his. his uh, List and I'll okay. I'll explain it. Let's, let's keep right. Yeah. Let's, let's keep okay, it. So next in nineteen eighty three. Nineteen eighty three. We get pipes of peace, and um, I didn't know that much about this album before, just before Christmas. And those um, who still read my blog, and judging by the stats, there aren't many of you. Um, Kevin Winch is doing this unbelievable series called Lost and Found, and where he profiles a song in a video from the eighties that wasn't a huge hit. And you sort of kind of remember, and he'll tell you the story behind it. Well, right before Christmas, he um, he had a piece on the song "Pipes of Peace," which was a huge hit in the UK, but in the US, it was only uh, only released as a video. Um, only um, I think it got maybe the number twenty three on the charts. For the most part, "Pipes of Peace" wasn't released as a no, as no, a no. no. So the only no, place I saw it was on. I saw well, an MTV. MTV. It would have been MTV because yeah. I lived in the MTV-less wasteland that was Weatherford, Oklahoma. <laughs> but I would have seen it on night tracks on WTBS. Yeah. But, night tracks. So, I like but that. it's but it's just, it's really. I mean, I, when I, when I when he put it on there, I mean, I was obsessed with it for a week. I was playing it over and over and over again. The video and the song. All around the world, little children being born to the world got to give them all. video, uh, Paul McCartney um, portrays both a British and a German soldier, and it loosely reenacts this um, event that actually occurred on Christmas Day, 1914, when the soldiers participated in sort of an informal truce and stopped yeah. fighting. They started, they uh, sang carols, you know, traded food, souvenirs, played some soccer, and the video shows this whole thing happening. And for some reason, I'm just so, um, I find it so endearing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely. I mean, it's it's a very touching, very touching video. Because uh, it's a touching moment in human history. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember if the soldiers actually played soccer, though. I believe that's true. I believe they did because it is the greatest game in the world. <laughs> they did not <laughs> play arena football. That much we can confirm. <laughs> well, I'm just well, trying to think. They had time to build an arena. Yeah. They might and it have. wasn't like it, I'm going off to war. I've got to bring my gun, my helmet, oh, my soccer well, ball. I, it wasn't like the movie Victory or anything. They just kicked the ball around. <laughs> yeah, Stallone just, was not there. But it's a game. it's it's a really fun video. Um, it's it might be McCartney's best video of the '80s. 
Um, and it's just a fun song that I had completely forgotten about. And it made me think, oh, my God. You know, I, there are these moments in McCartney in the 80s where you go, you know, he, he had these moments of real joy, I thought. And this is one of them. Coupled with that, I will say that um, Pipes of Peace has two of the worst duets with Michael Jackson on it. Um, say, 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 which everybody knows. Um, yeah. And then this stinker, which I don't think anyone's heard, and it's simply called The Man. There's a man who plays the game of life so well. Ooh, there's such a man. His thoughts you can never tell. Ooh, and it's just the way he thought it would be. Cause the day has come for him to be free. Then he laughs, he kicks the rolls up his sleeves. I'm alive and I'm here forever. This is the man. What do you guys think of that song? That, that is just, it's the worst example of lazy pop music. <laughs> oh, it's awful. I, I, I feel a theme going on here. I think they probably thought it was good. You, I mean, the, the vocal performances are good, but it's just a nothing song. I'm like, why did you bother to get out of bed that day? God, you guys. No, I, I'm not going to argue with Brad on this. This is how I feel about most of his stuff in the 80s. Why did he bother? Uh, I mean, say, 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 it's cute, it's poppy, it's definitely of its time. You, you, we probably liked it then, right? We liked it then. Did we not? Did you not like it then? The first time you heard say, it? Say, say, yeah. say? Uh, the first time you heard it, you didn't think, oh, it's kind of catchy. Uh, I think I, catchy. I remember the video more than I remember the I song. I mean, that's the one where they're dressed up as like... They're like playing in a, a speakeasy or a saloon. Yeah. Oh, is it the saloon Jump one? in the back of the truck to get yeah. out of town. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like... Snake oil salesman. Snake oil salesman. Yeah, and isn't uh, what's her name? His sister's in it. Michael Jackson's sister's in it, isn't she? Latoya or no. Janet? <laughs> Janet isn't Janet? Think Latoya's in, in any videos, is she? Latoya. I think Latoya's in. No, one Latoya's of them. in some videos. Oh, yeah, but, not the uh, ones that we saw. Show on TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, say 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 is one of those songs where I first heard you're like okay, and then but then like after the twelfth time you're like okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make it to 12, man. Seriously. Wait, it was LaToya Jackson. You're absolutely oh, right. Oh, was I right? God. Wow. Who would have thought? You guys ready to move on to 1984? It's my favorite it year. Oh, wait. Let's do a show on my favorite year. Let's switch topics mid-show. <laughs> Poor Peter O'Toole. The death of yeah. Peter O'Toole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if anyone really thinks about that movie anymore. I love that movie. I, I do, too. But nobody says, oh, my fa- favorite three 80s movies. Uh, Breakfast Club, uh, Ferris Bueller, uh, my favorite year. <laughs> oh, and creator is uh, uh, i like creator don't be busted on creator i like Uh-oh. creator because Uh-oh. a lot of it was filmed on the campus at uc irvine oh, my alma mater go anteaters that's the reason i don't like it anyway uh <laughs> 1984 <laughs> 1984 happens it's a great musical year um unfortunately this is the year that we also get the movie give my regards to broad street anyone see this movie besides me no nope <laughs> Gosh, and I worked in the movies at this point too so if it was on a screen i pretty it much wasn't on the screen it, very long I'm, I was going to say, I think it was on screen for like a week, maybe, three days. I'm trying to see. Made it to Wednesday. If I can remember the plot. Paul McCartney plays a musician called Paul McCartney. Um, <laughs> he's in a That's band a where he has a drummer named Ringo and a producer named George Martin. Hmm, let me see what else. Fancy. He records, I think he records uh, an album. He walk across the street barefoot. And. The tapes go missing, or something like the tapes of the album go missing, and so the rest of the movie is trying to find the missing tapes for this album that they just recorded. I think, 
I think. I could look it up, but it's really not worth our time. <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun yeah, I think that's that's what I yeah. take away from it. So many years later, you'd never see this movie on cable. There's, I'm, I'm sure nobody has the TV rights to it. So you think yeah. Paul bought the rights? So yeah. no one could. Uh... But I will say this, um, and I'm, I know I'm going to take some 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 arrows for this, but I love love the song "No More Lonely Nights." Come on, guys! A little love, a little love. That is a good song. Yes. But I have to say, having having listened to this podcast and getting to know you for the past six eight <laughs> years that you've been doing the podcast, I get the feeling that no more lonely nights. I, I when you said that it's your favorite, I got this mental image of you back in '84, sitting in your room, you know, all alone, petting your cat. <laughs> Oh. Mustache a quiver, going no more lonely nights. T- you know, telling your cat like you're going to do this. You're going to get yourself a girl. I'm a, sorry. I just that's that that was the vision I oh had in my God. head. Okay, we'll <laughs> so give Steve a few minutes to curl up into a that's ball. More like nineteen. <laughs> I think what year? Nineteen ninety-one through two thousand. Yeah, there's some oh, years. I'm sorry. It was just like I said. You've you've remember when you would do that that segment? What makes Spearsy <laughs> cry? This would have been one of those songs. We've done that a long time. Some people stopped. Uh, I guess people think I stopped crying. Well, this I imagine this is it. This this song made. Spencer oh, cry. probably. I, I whistle it nonstop because the video starts with Paul McCartney whistling the first uh, few notes of it. So that's what I'm always recreating. It, it might be the lamest admission I've ever made on this podcast. And that you whistle? No, that I whistle "No More Lonely Nights" all the time because Paul McCartney does it in the video. It, it's just in my head that way. But um, I love the song. It the, the movie itself doesn't have anything else that's remotely memorable except for this song. Um, Dave Gilmore, uh, if you recognize the guitar solo, it's because, yes, it's done by Dave Gilmore. And he had told Paul to donate his session fee to the charity of his choice, So, which might have been Paul McCartney, nice. but I don't know. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul McCartney yeah. gardening fund. Or one of his uh, wife's um, vegetarian causes. So that we can write off 1984. Sadly, things do not improve for Paul McCartney in 1985. He gives us the last top 10 single in the U.S., um, at least to date. It's this little gem from a movie that we might remember. Spies like us, guilty or innocent? Doctor. <laughs> Doctor. 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 I love this movie. <laughs> it's See, so stupid. I, I think I've seen it once. I don't think it made any impression upon me whatsoever. What about the song? The song's all right. This is this is kind of something I hinted Wait, at you earlier. Wait, you like this? 
No, the song's <laughs> no. This the song's all right. I mean, it's nothing. It, it's cheesy. This sounds but like it's... someone handed McCarthy McCartney McCarthy. What's this guy's name again? <laughs> it sounds like someone handed McCartney three words. Spies like us. He's like, okay, let me get some chords and sing it. Yeah. Well, that was what I was going to say. Is this song was actually he he did the whole song in four days. Four days. Oh, it took that four long? days. If you said four hours, like two. I would have been surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just, again, that goes back to my feeling like he just wasn't putting effort into stuff. And this song is a good example of it. This might be... God, I'm really just... I'm coming across like a jerk. I don't really hate Paul Wait, McCartney. You're coming across like a jerk? <laughs> so here's a, here's a fun fact for this video. Um, the video is directed by John Landis, but it was not aired by the BBC because Aykroyd and Chevy Chase um, play instruments in the... Or appear to play instruments and labor rules in the UK prohibit non-musicians from performing in videos. Wow. Wow. I, I can't believe, first of all, this was a top 10 single. But if you watch the movie and you're waiting to hear this song. It's in the credits, right? Yeah, it's in the yeah. final credits. And it plays like uh, just it's sort of in the background just real quickly. You're like, uh, you're probably already halfway out the movie theater before they start playing it. So how this became. The that top- must be why I remember it because I was sweeping <laughs> up. What's the worst thing you ever found uh, sweeping up a movie theater? Uh. <laughs> You know, no body parts. Certainly found my share of fluids in uh, prophylactics. Did you really? Time time. Yeah. It's kind of dependent on the movie. Really, the thing you were looking for was money. <laughs> well, I know you're right. You would find, I mean, you would find 5 or $10 a shift. Wow. But yeah, it was real money. I mean, because money would slip out of people's pockets and into the crease between the chair and the and the armrest. So, yeah, you do okay. Did you was there like a lost and found that you had to like drop stuff off at if it was Oh, no, if I found well, if I found cash, it went in my No, pocket. no, but like if you found like a camera or something. Oh, yeah, we never found it. But yeah, if you found something like that, you'd take it to the front desk and leave it in the box office. Yeah. I'm fascinated. I never got to work in a movie theater, so I'm I'm fascinated by the craft. I guess you should... It was a good gig. It's it's funny. It, you know, you get used to certain things at the movie theaters, and I think anybody who grew up in the 80s can appreciate this. It drives me crazy when I go to the movies now and they show, like, the title slide, and it is rock solid, absolutely perfectly still. Oh, yeah. The words aren't moving around a little bit from the projector because the digital projector is so solid, and you don't hear the clatter of the projector in the booth. Kind of like, mm-hmm. I, it makes me – I know I sound like Grandpa Williams, but I miss that stuff. It drives me nuts when that isn't there in the theater. I'm um, the opposite. I, I – no, this has nothing to do with it, but I saw the um, first Star Wars in digital projection, and a buddy of mine worked for DTS, and we got to go up to see the projector, and it was like the size of a freaking refrigerator. Yeah, they're gigantic. Mm-hmm. But it was so beautiful. <laughs> so I like that. Wait, but. and I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, well. <clears throat> okay, sorry. I'm Back sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like us. No, it's my fault. Probably up to uh, 1986 now, and uh, Paul releases the album Press to Play. And we have nothing nice to say about this album, do we? Really? Nope. Nope. This was a weird, weird album for him. I mean, there's some strange stuff. It doesn't even sound like it doesn't sound like him at all. I mean, if well, so Drew, can you give him some points for that at least? I mean, he's trying to do. He's something He's trying to different? break out of his. Or does thing. he just he's not? Is to... he just adopting some sound and not really changing the substance? Well, that's the problem. I mean, I think a lot of Paul's stuff, if you listen to a lot of the lyrics, they, they don't say much. I know he's always about world peace and everything like that. But, okay, I'm going to try and give him some credit for at least trying something different. He did. He tried something different. Yeah. And I, I can respect that. Uh, press Play gives us Didn't one. Didn't do any good. But yeah. <laughs> that said. <laughs> press to Play gives us one top 30 hit. Um, and it's this song called Press. Baby, you could put a Something that the 
Anybody have any recollection of this tune? No recollection nope. of this at all. <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny as I listened to it because I saw it in the notes. So I listened to it on iTunes before and I was like, wow, I, I think if you had told me this was his song, I wouldn't have known it. No, no. I mean, it's just, it's just, or if you wouldn't have told me it was his song, I just, it doesn't sound like him. So. Yeah. I want to end things on an up note with Paul. And so I'm going to say right now, um, 1989's Flowers in the Dirt album is, I think, the high water mark of the 80s. Which I know you guys aren't setting all that high, but I think there's a lot of <laughs> I think there's a lot of good stuff here, and this was the last um, Paul McCartney album I ever bought, and I bought it on cassette. I remember because I, I had already bought tickets to see him play Tampa Stadium. So he was going to play Tampa Stadium. I think it was like a Saturday afternoon or something like that, and it was um, you know seventy thousand people there, maybe eighty. Um, I had the world's worst seats, and you know I didn't know how much of it he would be playing his personal stuff versus, you know, Beatles stuff. It was one of those kind of things where you can go see Paul McCartney and the, well, he hadn't done a, a tour. He hadn't toured at all or not. This, would be, this, this was his first in tour in about 11 or 12 years. Yeah. So yeah. you don't, I mean, I, I'd like to hear more about what you thought about that going in. Like you say, was it, you know, was there any indication of what he was going to play? It's not like nowadays where you can go download the set list from his last 10 shows. Yeah, well, it's funny cause you can't actually, um, Upload his set list from that day. Well, you can now, but what I'm saying at is the time, at the time, no, yeah. When you bought your tickets, but in case you want to know what it was, April 12th, 1990, he opened up with Figure of Eight, which is a song from uh, Flowers in the Dirt. Uh, Jet, Got to Get You Into My Life, Rough Ride, Band on the Run, We Got Married, Let Him In, The Long and Winding Road. So it's a mix. It's a mix. And, and, yeah. and the. And the Pretty much the entire second half of the set list, all completely uh, Beatles songs. So, including like the last six encores were all Beatles songs. And did you enjoy yourself that day, Steve Spears? Uh, you know, it was. I was really getting tired of concerts by that time in my life. I, I had been to so many in the eighties, um, especially the early part of the eighties. You know, when 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 I thought the music was so much better. So by this time, I'm just like, oh man, I, I forget how much it cost, but I bet it was. A fortune by those days' standards. Yeah. You know. Well, so what? Why did you? Why did you get the ticket? Were your friends going? Yeah, like I mean, what, if were you going. weren't, if you weren't that up for it, coworkers were going, and it was just kind of like, I don't know about okay, you. I'll I don't know about on. you guys, but the idea of a concert always sounds really great. The moment you hear about it, you're like, oh, Paul McCartney's coming to town. Yeah, I gotta see that. And then the more closer you get to it, the closer you get to, it, you're like, you know what? I don't know if I really care if I see Paul McCartney or not. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I feel I'd feel the same way, especially that. This was, you said, 89? Uh, 1990. 1990. 1990. So, yeah, I'd have had 10 years of just not liking him, so I probably wouldn't have been as yeah. excited. But if I knew it was going to be a lot of those Beatles songs, I would definitely and it was gone. Yeah, it's kind of strange when you think about it. So here's a guy that we've basically just capped on 10 years of his output, and then he decides at the end of the decade, after really kind of you know his having his big hit be Spies Like Us, he's going to go on a huge <laughs> world tour. That tells me he either had an ego the size of a Mack truck 
or decided he was going to trade on his reputation so he could afford some more vegetables or whatever. Wow. I, I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting to know what his, like, why his then? Motivation? Why did he launch himself on this giant world yeah. tour when he'd really not toured at all? I mean, I'm sh- obviously there's an appetite out there for anything Beatles. People are going to show yeah. up and plunk down their money. Sure. Uh, but it's kind of weird timing, isn't it? Uh, maybe. I mean, this was his best regarded album. Um, it was. It had "My Brave Face," which he uh, co-wrote with Elvis Costello. It had um, uh, "Figures of Eight, which I mentioned was the first song, and then it had this song, which, um, oddly enough, was the song that I loved the most from this album. This is called "This One." Did I ever take you? I don't know what it is about that song, but that is the one. When I had that cassette, that was the one I kept rewinding and listening to over and over and over again. Uh, how sad is this? But I did listen to this entire album before we recorded this, and I'm trying to remember that song, and I, and I can't even pull it up. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. If anybody put out an album today that had this many good songs on it, it would be considered a triumph. Because you have, you have My Brave Face. You have Put It There, um, the other song that most people yeah. remember from that one. And... Um, uh, this one, which is a great song, Figure of Eight's not bad. Um, yeah. But that would be considered, what, three or four hit songs, three or four good songs on an album? The, the, by today's standards. Yeah, they weren't hits. No. But, you know, but really would they hit. have gotten radio play if they weren't by Paul McCartney? No. That's yeah. my feeling. I don't think they would have. Yeah, maybe not. But, maybe, maybe put it there. I'm sorry, not put it there. Maybe My Brave Face. And it did get a little bit. I remember, too, that that tour was sponsored by. Um, I want to say it was sponsored by American Express. Remember about that time, everybody was doing a tour and they were always sponsored by somebody like uh, Eric Clapton was being was touring, yeah. uh, sponsored by Michelob and stuff yeah. like that. Yep. And so they were doing all yeah, these... So corporate, corporate sponsors. Yeah. And they started to show. And they were big and they would have commercials. So you'd see a commercial for American Express with Paul McCartney on it singing My Brave Face and like, you know, American Express, the card you can't leave home without, you know, and if you want to see Paul McCartney, you know... They were not accepting Visa. You want to get your tickets. Yeah. yeah kind of thing. So is this the beginning of the kind of tiered ticket pricing where, you know, yeah. you, the credit card is sponsoring the tour. And if you have that card, you get access to tickets early and they're starting to kind of, uh, you know, divide the audience by what they're willing to pay to get closer as opposed to, you know, in the early 80s, all seats, $25 or whatever it was. Um. I doubt it because I, I don't remember thinking that at the time. I mean, it, remember we would. This is pre-internet days, so there's no like sales code. I mean, I guess they could have done it that way on the telephone or something. But the yeah, telephone, it would have been a telephone. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember dialing in. Do you remember that oh. calling in? And I remember the first time I had to do it, I had a rotary phone. And that was <laughs> yeah. For one of the U two tours when they were only selling tickets on the phone, it would have been the. Or this would have been in the nineties. Uh, and yeah. I was at my office, and I had like six people's phones lined up on my desk, and I'm just speed dial, speed dial, speed dial, speed dial, going down the line. Jeez. Yeah. So, so, so the 80s in, Paul McCartney puts out what we, what we all kind of 
casually agree is his best work. <laughs> Grudgingly, maybe. Grudgingly agree. But you know what our best work is, Steve? I do know. <laughs> the Seggies. Uh, the mystical refrain of reader mailbag. And since it's been about a month since we've done a show, we've got some uh, good ones. Actually, this one is from Chase Squires, um, our old friend Chase, uh, co-host of the Miami Vice episode from, I think, year one. Or year one or year two of Second the 80s. But he wrote oh, in wow. um, about – Can I make a confession? What's that? I've never seen a single episode of Miami Vice. What? Yeah. Can I make a confession? <laughs> I've only seen one episode of Miami Vice, and I saw the same episode twice. <laughs> I watched it once. It was the Phil Collins one. I watched it once, and then years, to, year two later, I thought, you know, I should watch that show again. And I turn it, and it was a rerun of that episode. <laughs> That's the universe telling you something. <laughs> so I never watched you it. Again. You know my confession? Yeah. I've probably maybe seen four episodes, five tops of Miami Vice. And I think we, even though you live there, I don't live in Miami. Well, it's a big difference between Miami. No, in and, the state, in the state. Yeah. You know, he was out in his cigarette boat chasing criminals every weekend. We did have cigarette <laughs> boats were pretty much all over the place back then. Um, that much is true. I, you know, Miami Vice came out in the late '80s, and I was in college. And I think it came out on Friday nights. Well, it's on Friday nights. I was working. Well, yeah, I was at parties. Who was home watching television on Friday night in the late '80s? Chase Squires. Yeah, he is younger, so maybe that that's the case. Any case, uh, he writes in about our 300th episode. So, uh, Brad? Okay. Chase writes Hi, guys. What an accomplishment. 300 episodes. A testament to your dedication and to your listeners' dedication. Yeah. More the latter. Patience. Yeah. Patience and dedication and foolhardiness. I was going to say, and stubbornness. You have no idea where Stuck in the 80s has been with me. I've taken you on nighttime trail runs through the Colorado woods. That's not creepy. It's just as well that I can't hear the woodland creatures out there. And on drives over Vail Pass and blizzards and road trips across the prairie. I'm always thrilled when a new cast drops just before I'm due to take off on another trek. You guys help pass the miles. It's been really great to relive the fun of the 80s, but even better to re-examine those days. I didn't really notice things when I was in the middle of them. Probably because I was an 18-year-old idiot. But looking back, maybe Huey Lewis wasn't all that. Maybe I didn't look as cool in leopard-spotted hair as I thought. Maybe Miami Vice wasn't that good a show. <laughs> of course it was. Best show ever. And thanks for not eating during the podcast anymore. That was gross. I'm still stuck in the 80s and still stuck on Stuck in the 80s. Chase in Colorado. Wow. He did actually have leather, uh, leopard spotted hair. I've seen photos. I think I've seen that picture. Really? Oh, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, was it really that bad? I got to agree with the eating thing. Really? God, we really thought it that didn't was bother me as much as it thing. bothered Chase. But, uh, you know, I have a 14-year-old son, so I know what it's like to hear someone chewing their food loudly. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's one of my huge pet peeves. I can't stand – I don't like drool. I can't handle drool and, like, spit and saliva and stuff. It just grosses me out. And when you guys were doing that and it was on my car and I'm listening to it, I was, I was like, physically getting ill. <laughs> just, it was so bad. I'm driving into work so, just so not feeling Steve, well at all. you can take away from that is you evoked a strong response. <laughs> What's funny is I, I remember that. I think I remember that episode or I remember that time period. Sean Daly and I were like convinced it was a brilliant idea to do it. We'll, we'll eat Ugh. on the podcast. We'll eat our – I think it was, what was it, hot dogs. It was our Angus dogs. Snacks that someone had brought you. Yeah, snacks. It was some bratwurst or something. Yeah, yeah. I think we, had, we, we had gotten um, hot dogs and sausages from the cart downstairs, and we ate them because we, yeah. we had to combine time 
<laughs> we didn't have to like yeah, I had no time podcast to record or <laughs> eat lunch. And okay, this is making me actually gag thinking about it. <laughs> and we did it. We thought oh, we thought God, I hate we that. thought it was ratings bonanza. And when people objected, we were like, "You gotta be kidding me!" <laughs> oh well, <laughs> we've been wrong before. No, wrong again. <sighs> anyway, uh, keep those letters coming. Uh, the email address is sit80s at gmail dot com or Steve in the eighties at gmail dot com or Brad in the eighties at gmail dot com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for a mystery movie moment. Uh, we'll play a snippet of a movie from the eighties, and if you can get it right, we'll read your name on the show. Um, unless nobody gets it right, which is what happened this what? this week. Nobody got it right. Can you believe that? Oh, come on, 80s Nation. I'm going to play the clip. Dig deep. Well, was it obscure? Yeah, it's a little obscure. I mean, it wasn't that obscure. <laughs> I want to give you a hint, but listen again. Here's the clip from our last show. My baby, Thanks. Okay, I'll give you. Here's the tip. Uh, it's a James Spader movie. Here's another tip. The next five movies that we use might be James Spader movies. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a year or that'll be our next I'm just going to say early 80s. Not giving you anything more than that. That should be enough. So if you know it, email us at sit80s at gmail.com, steven in the 80s, brad in the 80s at gmail.com, and tune in next week to find out if we finally have a wiener. <laughs> I have a mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, you know the drill by now. We uh, play a snippet of a song from the 80s. If you can get it right, uh, Brad will exhaust himself reading your name along with the names of 100 other people who got it right. Because this week, I gave everyone the most obvious uh, clip of all mankind. Pay attention. Here's the clip from our last show. That's Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. Gave him a softball. In there. I had after the movie yeah. clip. I had to. It's a nice, nice little Christmas present. Well, it was Christmas. Yeah, it gotta yeah. be nice Christmas time. I don't even remember what the show was about. What was the show about? No colon in uh, Scrooge. The Scrooge yeah. episode. Yeah, Scrooge. So, yeah. Yep. so beloved was that episode that we got um, actually a few responses. Uh, yeah. Brad, you want to read some of the names? I'll be happy to read the winners, and then I want to talk about this song. <laughs> but for now, winners include Lisa Brown. <laughs> Bald Butts, an English expat in Mandurah, Western Australia. And yes, Brad, as in the previous email, I really am a genuine listener. Did I question him that strongly? Yes, you did. Uh, well, apologies, Bald Butts. Hope you grow some hair. Uh, <laughs> Eric in Alpharetta, Georgia. Garrett in Houston. Rob, gee, I'm going to have to come up with a catcher name for myself. Stro. Uh, Stro. Uh, we'll figure something out. Uh, Anita Montoya. In, yeah. Maybe a winner. He moves quite well. Rob Stroh does. Uh, <laughs> Anita Montoya in St. Paul, freezing to death. Gabriel Daigle, Christine in Philly, John in Phoenix, Anne in Jacksonville, Florida, Todd in Minnesota, Kurt from Jersey, Irish Dave in Allentown, soon to be Orlando. Are they renaming or Allentown, or is he moving? He's moving. Cool. Ken Ward, Rob, your friendly neighborhood, Snyder Man Snyder, Oliver the Bard in Germany. Oh, he is still listening, even after your bad accents. Uh, Tim in Harrisburg, PA, and Allison in Bel Air. But we are not stuck in the 80s. <laughs> I love that you played that clip. It was so funny to hear. It really that. was. I had to go back and find it. Oh, my God. We are not. You, you should listen, listen to, to our album. Buy them all on all formats. 
Oh my god, I love that album though. For that matter. Okay, so two things. Too. Two things. Scorp- First, the Scorpions. This reminded me of it. Did you, have you guys seen the the Us Festival DVD that came out? Um, you had something about it in the blog recently, and I got a copy of it for my brother in law for Christmas since he was at the show. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I want to see it. It's on Amazon no. Prime right now. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch. I do. It. Oh. Uh, I watched some of it last yeah. night, uh, and it's. It, it's notable in its omissions. There's a lot of bands that aren't on there, but the tracks that are on there uh, are pretty good. I really enjoyed seeing kind of a pre-Giant Fame Michael Hutchins and a pre-Giant Fame U2. Uh, so worth checking that out. Oh Hopefully my god, that was the day I was there. I want that on my tombstone. Yeah. Steve Spears. Here lies Steve Spears. Well, there's <laughs> no for his omissions. There's no Van Halen. There's one Clash song. Uh, anyway, but it, it's worth a look. It's basically uh, the it's the broadcast of it, right? I guess, I guess. It's, there's the, like, it's some weird some weird choices. Like there's four songs from Triumph on the DVD. Like, oh, great. God. I used to like Triumph. Well, I wonder if they if they had some contractual things with the songs. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure that's the case. They, they weren't quite as tied up by the Triumph uh, legal counsel, so they were able to play yeah. more songs. So do they know it's Christmas? <laughs> I can't stand this song. Oh, Bradley. I, I, I just don't like it. It just... Yeah. I know that I am on the record as saying that Live Aid is the high water mark of 80s pop culture, but it's just so like, oh, people are starving. I know, we'll sing a song. Yeah, but it's so much what? better than all the other ones. Yeah, and I'm glad you said something because so far on this podcast, I've been the real hated oh, one. Now, now everyone's going to Well, and here's you, the thing. So, I, I yeah. heard this song and then I heard right after it, or like that same drive to work or whatever, I heard um, – uh, George Michaels is it praying for time, and he sings the line that charity is a coat that you put on once a year. Whoa. And I'm like, that's exactly what this song is. Mm. You know, this but- is not an effort to actually change your behavior. It's an effort to look like you're changing your behavior to help somebody. I just like it because I think it's more original than most of these kind of efforts. We Are the World is probably the most baloney – uh, Hellman's mayonnaise, Wonder Bread sandwich song. That's, that's the history bad. of music. <laughs> that's equally bad. And the other thing that offended me in this song is: Do they know it's Christmas time? Half of Africa is Muslim. They don't give a crap if it's Christmas. Yeah. And of course, there's there's snow in Africa. There are mountains. Ironic. So, okay, that's me that's being ironic. literal. I get it. But do they it's know a it's charitable Christmas? sense they of irony? It's Christmas. They don't celebrate Christmas. Jeez. You tell the Hollies are definitely over in the Williams household. <laughs> Okay, I feel better. Okay. Okay, now you calm down. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, and if you don't hate it the way Brad Williams does, email us at sit80s at gmail.com. Steve Nees, Brad Nees, gmail.com, and tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Aha, PPTMN time. Uh, please, please tell me now. This is the segment we haven't done in a while, right? Maybe we should whistle that. No. <laughs> you could walk around the office. Here we go. <laughs> they come across okay? What's that supposed to be? Like touch tone phone tone? Yeah. What was yeah. That? That's, that is my touch tone yeah. phone, damn it. Get to the damn question already. <laughs> now you've Very made me. well. Okay, I like it. <clears throat> okay. Brian in Boulder writes, your podcast is great, and all the talk about the past reminds me of radio call-in contests. I still remember the first time I won a radio contest, dialing like mad on a rotary phone, no less, if I remember right, <laughs> to win movie tickets to, drum roll, please, 
The Money Pit with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. Ooh. I remember having my mom drive me down to the station to pick them up with no embarrassment because I was so jazzed. So, <laughs> PPTMN, did you guys ever win anything from a radio contest? Um, I'll just get this out of the way right now. No. <laughs> no? No. I, I don't think I've ever... I may have tried a couple times, but no, I never did. Aww. Sorry. Someone have a better story? Yeah, I, I won. I won a couple things on the radio. The, probably the, the the most pedestrian thing I won on the radio was a copy of a Devo CD uh, that I won dialing into K Rock because I knew the answer to the trivia oh. question, which was what did Devo uh, Devo would open for themselves as another band sometimes, and what was the name of that band? Oh, and it was Dove, the band of love. <laughs> I, I like that you still remember the, quest, the that, question. That's really well. Cool. Yeah, it was kind of it was a big day because then there were like ten winners, and then they were going to draw for like you're going to win a CD player. They're going to draw one name. I did not win the CD player. Oh, so it's really kind of an average story. Yeah, well, that's an, I, I liked it. And then the <laughs> other thing I won on the radio. Do you guys remember the uh, when McDonald's brought out the McDLT? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Kept the hot side hot and the cold side cool. And they put the cheese on the cold side. That never made sense. Yeah, that it was, it was weird. So I won ten McDLTs. Oh my god. On the radio. At wow. once, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they mailed me a uh, envelope with little coupons, like little cards that I could give for a free oh. DLT, and it was great because I was at, again. We go back to the theater. I was working at the lovely Fox Fullerton Theater, which was an absolute dump. It was really kind of sad. It was a cool old vaudeville theater that had fallen into serious disrepair. But there was a McDonald's right behind there, so I would go over there and get my dinner. Nice for two weeks. The only time I ever won anything, my sister won stuff all the time, but um, I was I was working at a financial planning company, and I was I was working the kind of the late shift, the swing shift, and everyone would leave at like you know six six thirty, and a lot of late night like, financial planning needed to be done. Well, no, but I was doing a lot of the cop. I was working in the mailroom, okay. you know. So, and um, so everyone left, and I flipped on the stereo, and uh, I wanted to hear. Fine young cannibal, she drives me crazy. So I actually know what year this is, 1989. And um, so they had some song going, so I just picked up the phone and I called the station and I wanted to request the song. And they picked up the phone. They said, congratulations, you're caller 21. <laughs> and yes. I was like, well, all right. And I, I, I found out I won some um, like gift basket from Bath and Body Works with like perfumes and lotions. Oh, and, and I'm like. It was so soft. It was so embarrassing because, of course, then they announced, hey, congratulations to Drew Friedman winner gift basket from what – like people thought I called in intentionally <laughs> to get that. Uh, uh, <laughs> so you made up the story to cover for that all this time? No, no. To believe that? If, if I was going to make up the story, I would pick a better song yeah, than the Fine I would Young definitely pick the better song. <laughs> but uh, so I, sent, yeah, I, I had a, a girl I was dating at the time go down and, and pick that up because I – Hi, my uh, name's Drew Friedman. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I won it from Ryan Seacrest though. So, there's oh that. wow, wow, mm-hmm. wait, what what station was he on in '89? Um, it was '987. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. He did the that evening was show the time. It was pop. Yeah. It was a top forty station at the time. Yes, yeah, God. So, so that's a good story then. <laughs> I guess. I guess if the Ryan Seacrest is what puts it over. Yeah, the top, it's sort of in a way. Yeah. It wasn't the fun young cannibals part. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't win any McDonald's. <laughs> for, uh, 
from Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. It was so, so that's all I want. I mean, my, my, my sister won tickets to concerts like two or three times. I mean, she just would win stuff all the time, but I was never Well, and lucky. I think I told the story the last time the three of us were doing a podcast about calling my, lo- my college radio station and, you know, Caller yeah. number 10 wins the tickets and being callers 1 through 10. And I, I mean, I don't even remember what show they were for, some crummy local Orange County band. Or Fine Young Cannibals. Or, yeah, or, yeah insert crummy band here. Yeah, yeah. Um, as always, we love your questions. Um, I'd love to get this seggy going again. So if you email us, and you know the address by now, in the subject line, just put PPTMN. We'll be right back after this commercial break. The fun is back. Oh, yes, sirree. It's the 2600 from Atari. It's the video system with classics galore. From space invaders to cars that roar. A real hip joystick controls the screen. Solaris is hot and midnight magic's mean. And one more thing, it's got a special low price. Under 50 bucks. 50 bucks? Now, isn't that nice? The fun is back. Oh, yes, sirree. Ice under 50 bucks. 50 bucks? Now, isn't that nice? The fun is back. Oh, yes, sirree. It's the 2600 from Atari. back and we just got a few seconds left here in the podcast that we've uh, filled with a bunch of hate and vitriol towards paul mccartney for i know i'm so sorry Let me finish it up that. with a little with a happy if, if, if this is like so this happy. i can only imagine what the ringo show is going to be like no let I me think just we're going to have quick. a lot more love for them because they we're going to be more forgiving of them right? yeah and I, I, I do before you give your your happy story brad i do want to say i you know paul mccartney is still He's a beetle. So to me, I'm always going to love him. I just was disappointed. Disappointed! I think that's what I'm going to say about his, his 80s work, was just disappointed. I'm, I'm picturing little Paul McCartney coming home from school and showing <laughs> Drew his report card, and it's like, see, he's, he's like, Son. I'm disappointed in you, Mr. Oh, McCartney. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sorry for the hate, but you know, once we started down that path, I just realized how much I hated some of those mm-hmm. songs. So. Sorry, 80s Nation. That's <laughs> no, okay. So we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of the Beatles' appearance on Ed Sullivan. And, you know, none of us were alive to hear that. But that date is actually the day my older sister was born. So whenever she hits a milestone birthday, I know there's going to be a lot of stories in the press about the Beatles. So. So, so possibly the sound of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan might have induced labor? No, it was over by that point. Oh, the, could have said the, yes. The, the daughter had been entered into the world. <laughs> Could have just said yes. Would have been st- again, would have been a better story. I'm just saying. Okay, ask me again. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I I remember um, about that event. I mean, obviously we weren't born uh, then, but um, yeah, we finally found <laughs> something to talk about that predates. Yeah, the yeah. yeah. Um, the um, I remember talking to Dennis DeYoung from Styx. Um, one of the last interviews I did uh, when I was still in Tampa, and I asked him the moment. What was the moment? Do you recall the moment that turned you on to rock music and made you want to be a rock musician? And he said, oh, absolutely. And he said it was Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Hmm. I think if you went back and checked out a lot of bands from that era, you'd probably get a lot of the same answers. Yeah. I mean, that was a a big deal. Yeah. I know my my relationship with my parents was such that 
they loved the Beatles for like their first two albums and then couldn't couldn't deal with the the Beatles as they became, you know. Yeah. Whereas I, I'm, I gravitate yeah, more mine. towards the – I'm the opposite. I prefer the, the later work. But anyway, well – I love it all. <laughs> in any case, we <laughs> promise that uh, we, we, will, we will soon be back with episodes on on Ringo, George, and, and John. Um, they will not be epically two-hour-long episodes, uh, obviously, since nobody's work was as extensive as McCartney's. Yeah, but if you have if if you have stories, memories, uh, comments, yeah, share, loves, share hates, us, please share. Yeah, them with tell us. us your stories about if you have a Beatles story of the '80s. You know, it doesn't even have to involve you were in the grocery store with Ringo. Yeah, it doesn't have to involve McDLTs or uh, Senior Cruise <laughs> or or you know shots of adrenaline to the heart or anything. Yeah, um, whatever, whatever you got. <laughs> Just that's that is mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked. Uh, I look back on that every day when I see the photos online. I'm like, that really did happen. Interesting. In the meantime, Brad, uh, Drew, you gonna start studying up on the next uh, Beatles coming up? Absolutely, doing a little George I'm, Harrison. I'm gonna watch Caveman three. Gonna times. watch Caveman. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I got my mind set. I got my mind set on more Beatles podcasts. That's all I'm going to say. In the meantime, myself, Brad, Drew, and uh, poor Paul McCartney, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a Class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly.